1: This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from my home in Wathens, Illinois.
0: And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from my my office, my pastoral study here at Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis.
1: So it is, uh, we, we have officially begun the season of Lent. Last week was Ash Wednesday. So as is our tradition, there will be no dumb jokes today. And I'm sure most people are just giving a sigh of relief. Don't you think, Matt? <laughs>
0: I know, I know. Everyone, is, oh, all good. the KPO listeners are really looking forward to Lent for some reason.
1: <laughs> right. I think That's I know right. why. <laughs> and so they don't have to fast forward through the first few minutes of the, the program if they're That's listening right. as a podcast. Um, but but we, we still have some really, really good stuff to do. Stuff about God and His love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and we're going to go into a new book—a book that we don't do very often, neither as on KFU or in the church either. We don't usually talk a lot about this book. I'm not sure why. So, so where do you want to go today, Matt?
0: So yeah, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, begin with verse 16, and and you're right, John. Um, the book of Acts is just—it's um, action-packed, and I think. You know, in many ways, it's boy just really clear proclamation of the gospel. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, you crucified Jesus Christ, but God raised him from the dead. Repent and be baptized. You know, I mean, it's really just clear proclamation uh, from Peter and, and Paul and others. The other cool thing about Acts is it, you hear about these missionary journeys of, of, of Paul and others and, and where they go in the cities they travel to and what they encounter there. And then you have the epistles where then Paul's writing a letter to these same cities. And so I think it's kind of neat to almost have the epistles open uh, as you have the book of Acts open to see, oh, okay, so this happened in Acts. Okay, now I kind of see why he said that in his letter to the Philippians or to the Ephesians, you know. Uh, So it's it's a great book of of history of the early church and more than history, God's work. Uh, and it's it's a great tool, I think, to be able to understand other parts of the Bible, especially the epistles. So, yeah, the book of Acts.
1: And and I tell you what I like about the book of Acts is, is if you just had the Gospels, for example, if that's all we had, I, I think it would be easy to think, oh, well, this is just some kind of mythology that someone created. You know, it's just a book of stories. And, and of course, they're valuable stories. They're trying to teach us a lesson. Uh, but I think the book of Acts reminds us, no, no, this isn't a bunch of stories. This was reality. There really was a guy named Jesus. He did teach. He did do miracles. He did suffer. He died, rise again. And now there's real people going out into the real world and to cities and places that still exist uh, for many places uh, today. Uh, and talking and preaching to people because this is a real story that has continued. If you think about it, Matt, the book of Acts continues to this day because uh, Acts is about them fulfilling the, the command of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, and we're still working on that here 2,000 years later. So you're right. Yeah, it, It's a great, great book, and it's the same Jesus and the same gospel that you find everywhere else.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, John. So it's, it's the same Jesus, the same gospel, and we're in, in many ways <laughs> the same people, right, with the same problems yeah. and the same need for a Savior. So what I'd like to do is at, at Ascension, what we've been doing is uh, connecting then the book of Acts to our own lives, but then also to the lives of some of our members who are refugees from, especially Nepal. Um, mm. So interviewing some of our refugee members, uh, recording their oral histories, uh, how God has been at work in their lives, their experiences in a refugee camp, um, and then applying and then uh, connecting that with, with Holy Scripture. Um, and then I think also we see our lives in their lives. So it's kind of this, This I think, really just, uh, for me at least, it's been a beautiful way of seeing you know the work of God in the lives of people and acts in the life of our Nepali members and in the lives of, of all people, right? Um, so a- as we go through this, what I'd like to do is look at the account in Acts with Paul and Silas, and then parallel that with some of the experiences of our, our Nepalese members in particular, and, and I think that we'll see applications to our own life, too. So I, I hope our listeners uh, enjoy hearing a little bit from some of our Nepalese refugee members. It's not often that we get, at least here in America and the Lutheran Church, to hear firsthand from, from fellow Lutherans, fellow baptized, catechized Lutherans um, who are from uh, Central Asia and are new to the United States. In the past 10, 15 years. So anyway, that's that's what I'd like to do, John. So um, if that sounds all right, uh, that again, sounds get great.
1: To... What, what would... Great. Thanks, John. So what, um, where would you like me to read, man? All right,
0: uh, we're going to go to verse sixteen. But first, let me set the scene. Um, this okay. is Paul and Silas in Philippi. So they are they are traveling the Mediterranean world, and like you mentioned, these are real cities and real places. So Philippi uh, today it's in modern Greece. Yeah, you, know, you can you can go visit. Philippi, so maybe some of our listeners have been to Greece. Uh, but at the time of Paul and Silas, this was an important city for the, the Roman world. Um, Emperor Octavius had even given it special status. Uh, there were many retired Roman military that lived there, and to be a citizen of Philippi um, was almost almost on par with being a citizen of Rome. So, I mean, this is this is very much a Roman Gentile city that so, uh, Paul in. So in Sacer other words, in.
1: I, I probably would have been living in Philippi if, if I'd lived back in those days, because I am a retired guy. You. It was kind of like so everyone. Is that what you're saying? You didn't retire so, like, to, to Boca yeah?
0: Raton, Florida. They retired to Philippi. So John, to, you would have okay. your villa there in uh, Greece um, <laughs> retired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but there in Philippi, the, the other issue, though, along with that, because it is so Roman, is um, to, to be Roman was to also embrace Roman religion, right? So pagan oh, yeah. religion. Yeah. Worship of the emperor, worship of these Roman gods. Um, the, the religion, the culture went hand in hand. The lines were kind of blurred <laughs> when it came to being a Roman. You're, you're both, you know, Roman by, by, you know, in terms of your civil life and your citizenship, but also in terms of who you worship and how you worship. So that's that's the context into which Paul we find Paul and Silas.
1: And, and, and can I just throw in a comment here? Because I yeah. I'd never thought about this before. This is one of the reasons why the Romans didn't like the Jews a lot, because the Jews did not sacrifice to these Roman gods, like you said. And that's part of your life. You have to, whether you believe in them or not the sacrificing to them was part of your culture and of course Jews didn't do that although you could kind of tolerate the Jews because at least they did sacrifice to a god so so well maybe you know, maybe they'll cover this other God. But see, that was the problem with Christians. Christians don't sacrifice to anybody. Well, what good are you then? How are you going to help the community? How are you going to help the nation? You're not sacri- you're, you're not taking any God <laughs> and helping us out, see? So yeah. uh, that's why Christians particularly were persecuted, because they weren't even doing anything to, to appease the gods so
0: yeah. yeah so so yeah related to that you know at this point early in the the church's history i mean there's not many christians out there right no so no. uh for you know, for most people they just assumed that christianity was another sect another uh yeah. of judaism so they just assumed well these yeah. christians they're they're pretty much jews but just different you know so uh, th- th- you'll see that uh, when, uh, when we get into the text, the charges well, that is brought against Paul and Silas. I think it's kind of interesting, you know, why why they're being charged, why they're dragged in front of the magistrate, what charges brought against them. So anyway, let's, let's get into verses 16 through 18, if you can read that for us.
1: As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, "These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation." And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." And it came out that very hour. Surprisingly, a very similar story to what we had last week, man. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. So the demon possession again. Um, Again, uh, it's called a spirit, right? Uh, last week yes, we saw that too, yeah. and it's an unclean spirit. This week it's a spirit of divination, right? Um yep. This girl, you know, this poor girl. I mean, she she's being used and abused. I mean, she is uh, possessed by a demon, and yet her owners uh, they <laughs> are are using her for fortune telling. You know, somehow this demon could was you know gave fortunes or appear to be giving fortunes, and people would pay money for that, and she's just being used. Um, it's a sad situation. So, you know, she's following him around, you know, kind of like proclaiming who Paul and Silas are, uh, and it's kind of almost almost humorous. Paul gets annoyed by it, and he casts <laughs> out this, this demon, this unclean spirit. Um, so that's what happens. Um, and this is how they get themselves into trouble. And you think, well, how can they get in trouble for this? They gave freedom to this, this girl. How can that be a bad thing? Uh well the owners don't like it. And guess why not? Because their moneymaker's gone, right? Their money has um, so, gone. Yep. Who knew yep, you they could don't care make about money the girl of a no.
1: demon possessed girl? Who yeah. thought, wow, man, you gotta figure all the angles, Matt. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know. That's pretty low, right? Um, yeah. And and I I gotta assume that her yelling this out and her reputation as being someone who's demon possessed was was distracting from the gospel, was distracting from Uh, Paul and Silas's mission work. And so finally, yeah, Paul just cast the demon out. Uh, So so we see the concept. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, let me throw this out. Uh, You you probably know the Church Father Theophilact.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I'm not not super familiar with them, John. Go ahead. I don't
1: think anyone is. But it's just, well, (laughs) Because I I'd done the research on that that other thing about you know with the story we had last week where where Jesus tells the demon to be silent and and uh, cast them out and same thing here yes. uh, they don't want the demons proclaiming I mean what what she says is good they are the servants of the Most High God they are proclaiming the way of salvation but but uh, you know constantly jesus too don't don't say that i don't want you to say that and so Theophilac's opinion was that, that that you don't want to listen to the demons even when they tell you the truth because as soon as you start listening to the demons then they will mix falsehood with the truth so anyway that was that was the church fathers opinion why there's this constant annoyance and and telling the demons just even though they're saying the right thing to tell them to shut up so yeah yeah because you won't get that anywhere else
0: (laughs) yeah no i I think that's no that's good that's good just like uh you know satan's you know quoting the scripture in jesus temptation he's half truth and yet you know uh shut up satan (laughs) right yeah so same here i think uh, just tell the demons to shut up. Because if we start listening to demons, you know, we're, we're going to be misled. So, yep, so yep. Paul does the right thing here and uh, casts the demon out and, and frees this girl. Um, so, yeah, so in verses 19 through 24, if you could read those verses, we see uh, what, what, what thanks they get for freeing this poor girl who was enslaved to a, a demon.
1: But when her owner saw that their hope of gain was gone... They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely." having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet and the stocks. So they are locked up tight, as we yeah. would say.
0: Yeah, and did you hear the the charge they bring against them? You know, so so the owners are mad, you know, their moneymaker's gone. But um their charge is that these guys are Jews. And yes, they're they're yeah. advocating customs not lawful for us Romans, right? So you see this tension here between Jew and Roman, between the cultures, between you know their religious beliefs. I think that that's interesting. That that's that's the charge brought against them, and then uh, yeah, beaten with rods, uh, thrown into prison, chained to the wall in the inner prison even, um, yep, yep. and you know so sitting there bloody and beaten and bruised and you know uh, you, you know persecuted. Well, what do Paul and Silas do? Could you just read verse 25 twenty-five, First John?
1: About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And yeah. the prisoners so, were listening to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What a what a powerful witness. You know, especially, you know, again, bloody and beaten, and yet praying to God, singing, <laughs> singing hymns to God. Uh, yeah, what a powerful yeah. witness that is. And I I think of us too. You know, making connections to our lives. You know, when things are down, when 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 we're when we're sick, when we're uh, grieving, when we're you know whatever you name it, whatever bad things happen in our life, to still pray, to still sing God's praises. Um, that that's a powerful witness um, to even in those bad times yeah still trust in the Lord still pray to him still still sing still sing his hymns um, and, and here certainly Paul and Silas the powerful witnesses will soon see
1: and, and um, that's the thing God, God whatever it is you're struggling with God it, what, what did he say that what did the angels say to Mary all things are possible with God so yeah if you're in the inner inner uh, uh, prison and you've got your feet locked up in stocks, well, the best thing you can do is is to pray to God, because I don't know who else yeah. is going to help you. But you go. but God can, God can, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And Paul and Silas know it. Um, you know, so just to, again to reflect on the, the the accounts of our Nepali members, okay? Um, yeah, you know, yeah. they're coming from from Nepal. So Nepal, if you look it up, uh, it's a country that's eighty one percent Hindu, eight uh, percent Buddhist, and less than two percent Christian. Mm. Um, so with you know, 81% Hindu, you can imagine, uh, the, the, similar to Rome in some ways, the, the lines are blurred between religious yeah, beliefs yeah. and the culture, right? That being Hindu goes hand in hand with being Nepalese. And so it's just expected. Um, you know, one of the places we see that is like the, the caste system there. Uh, all these different levels that the people belong to, dozens and dozens and dozens, and that's that's a Hindu idea, and something that's reflected in Nepal, that uh, what what caste you are in that determines what you can and can't do, where you can and can't go. You know, so you know again, religion and yeah. culture kind of just this blend, and so you know what happens is for for our, our Nepali members who have become Christians in Nepal, not all have, some have become Christians here in the United States, but for those who became followers of Jesus in Nepal, boy, they they were looked down on. I mean, all of a sudden it's looked like, well, they're not just changing religions or changing beliefs, yeah, but they're, bet- yeah. they're betraying their culture. They're betraying their own country by becoming a Christian. Um, and so, yeah, boy, they, they shared stories where they— uh, they they really face persecution, you know, not necessarily persecution from a government, but persecution from just family members and and friends. Uh, one of our one of our members talked about how they were they're viewed as the lower class. You can't you know the Christians are the lower caste People don't talk with them, don't eat with them. They're they're lower. Um, another guy John he shared a story about, um, you know, he would he would go to this woman's house and he called her his auntie and, and, uh, you know, just a, a neighbor. And yeah, when she found out she was, he was a Christian, uh, she, she sued him out of the house and said, you're not coming in my house anymore. You're not Hold good on. for me. And wow. just talked about how painful of an experience that was, you know, just, uh, unwelcomed. Um, yeah. So, you know, this, uh, you know, I, I but I, you know, when we think through that though, I mean, certainly that's, that's how it's always been. Um, you know, Jesus was an outcast and unwelcomed and, you know, finally crucified. Um, w- you know, why should his followers be treated any differently? You know, whether it's Paul or Silas or whether it's our, our Nepalese folks that, that were sharing their stories. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a powerful witness and, um, uh, you know, certainly a firsthand account of, yeah, just, just what that looks like sometimes when, when you're a follower of Jesus, what the consequences of that might be. Um, well, yeah. I'm,
1: and I'm thinking, Matt. You know that, that see, we, uh, you and I, uh, have lived in an unreal uh, time and place where where Christianity was the dominant religion, and Christianity was what everybody did. Everybody celebrates Christmas. Everybody celebrated Easter, uh, and, and we don't realize that that's not been the situation for Christianity throughout most of the world and throughout most of history. Uh, and now, of course, we're getting uncomfortable because we're kind of losing that. I, I, I saw that the largest uh, religious group now are those that say they don't have any religion at all. Yeah. Uh, that's the first time that that's been the largest uh, of, of the group. I mean, Christians are probably still number two or whatever, but but uh, and we feel uncomfortable with that, although I'm thinking that's that's the way it usually is. You know, what, what yeah. we were experiencing was a time of, of extraordinary blessing by God where Everything was accepted about what we preach, but it also occurs to me that it seems like Christianity has done a lot better and has flourished, actually, in situations like you describe in to Paul and like is described here in the book of Acts, uh, where there was kind of a, a persecution, I don't know, whatever word you want to use, but where it really was tough to be Christian. Yeah.
0: Definitely. So, yeah, we, we shouldn't be surprised at stories of persecution like this. Instead, I think we should be surprised at stories where Christians aren't persecuted. <laughs> and like you pointed yeah, out, yeah. you know, in yeah. America, that's it that has been the case. And instead of being surprised by that, wow, we're not being persecuted. We, instead, we, you know, it was kind of just... Take for granted. Well, this should be the norm. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, no, no. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. His, persecu- his his followers, you know, he was an outcast. Guess what? We are going to be too. Um, you know, blessed are those when, when they persecute you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, you know. Uh, John, or excuse me, Matthew 5. So anyway, you're, yeah, exactly. But I, I want to get to what happens next, John. So if you could read um, okay. verses, again, yeah. 25 through, oh boy, let's go all the way through 34 if you could.
1: He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved and your household as well. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Then he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then they Brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God.
0: Yeah, thanks, John. So yeah, here's the rest of the account. It's incredible. So um, I, I think it's interesting. Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God there in verse 35, and the the note after that. Who was listening to them as they're doing that?
1: The prisoners. The prisoners. Yeah,
0: I, th- I love that you know, that that's included. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just you know they're kind of just singing themselves in the inner prison. No. The other prisoners are listening, and I'm thinking the jailer is probably listening, too, uh, because after the, the, the earthquake comes, the doors fly open, chains fall off, the, the jailer is about to kill himself, and Paul says, No, don't do that. We're all here. And he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It, it seems like you know the Holy Spirit's been at work through the word, as he always is, and, and maybe that word came to the jailer through the singing of two <laughs> beat-up yeah. inmates. Um, uh, the word through two singing guys in a jail cell and it's worked. <laughs> and, and the, the, the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and what's the response? Um, b- believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved yeah. the and, and, be baptized. Well, and be baptized and be, and be baptized. Yeah. yeah. The response isn't, well, quit your job. The response isn't, you know, yeah. um, you know, do this or that, but just no, believe, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. You and your household. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, then the, the jailer brings it to his own house, and then he and his, his family, his whole household baptized. And that word household comes up another number of different places in the New Testament, and it, it means that, household. So we're talking yep, probably yep. the servants, the children, whoever was, whoever was in that household um, was baptized. Uh, again, uh, baptism and, and the gift of faith for all people. Um, so, yeah, just an incredible, incredible account. Um, of of God at work in the life of this, this jailer, of all people. Um,
1: yeah, yeah that's, So I, that, I, that's what I was thinking, Matt. The, the yeah. jailer, the guy that you think yes. you'd hate because he's the guy that locked you up and put yes. you in the stocks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The guy that would hate you, right? Um, he's, yeah. he's getting paid to keep you in jail. He's probably a, a Roman uh, or at least a Gentile himself. Um, so I, I another story from our Nepalese folks. There's a, another guy named Goggin who's a member here. And, and he shared uh, a story about how, similar to John's, there was a, 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 a friend that he had, that he somebody grew up with and he would spend time with, and, you know, they were like brothers. And when the mom found out that Goggin became a Christian, he was no longer welcome in their home, uh, could mm-hmm. no longer spend any time with her son, um, you know, just, just barred from, from being a part of their life at all. But then he also shared this in his interview. He says, um, you know, God brought her into the church. He says, I'm just reading what he said. After a few months, after a few years, she became a Christian in our church. And she told me, Goggin, I'm sorry. Uh, I told you not to come into my house. I did wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, and he said, I said to her, it's okay. Uh, people do that who don't understand about Jesus' love. <laughs> and then he says, she became a good Christian. So here's this this woman who, you know, uh, does not welcome a Christian into her home uh, and becomes a Christian. It, it took months, even years, uh, but again, the Holy Spirit at work through the word of the gospel, and you know, God is responsible as, yeah, well, people do that that don't understand Jesus' love. <laughs> huh? And I think yeah. that's yeah. that's a good way of putting it, um, that, yeah, sometimes those who don't understand Jesus' love can mistreat people that do know Jesus' love. Um But I think, you know, the the reason I like this parallel between the story of the jailer and the story of this this Nepalese woman, a mother um, who had been Hindu but became Christian, the the parallel is, you know, no one is beyond the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, no one's beyond the work of the gospel. Uh, Not a Gentile jailer in Philippi, uh, not a Hindu woman who's a a mother in a refugee camp. And then we think of the people in our lives that seem maybe a little— out of reach from the gospel, right? You know, maybe the the family member who's straying away from the church, or maybe the, you know, the person we see on social media who you know, seems to always be mocking Christianity, or maybe, you know, maybe uh, for some of us we have a neighbor who's who's Muslim. You know, here in St. Louis we have a number of Bosnian Muslims, for instance. Um, just a reminder that yeah, no one is beyond the work of the gospel. Not this jailer, uh, not this Hindu woman. Um, the the Lord can work through the gospel through the Holy Spirit, as he always has, uh, still today. And so I think there's great comfort in that. And also, I think, a great encouragement for us then, well, to share the gospel, that that we might be those instruments by which the Spirit works and and the gospel's shared. Yeah, any other thoughts, John?
1: Well, and and see, I think that's why maybe Christianity is we are at a good point at this. Because, see, the problem is when you become the dominant religion, you actually start acting like the people who don't know about the love of Jesus, <laughs> isn't that strange? Then, then when we're the yeah. ones in control, then we start having, uh, you know, little little concern for other people who don't agree with us, that don't believe, and and so now maybe that that's training switching, rather, maybe we'll understand. No, no, like like you said, in the whole teaching of Scripture is, there's nobody outside of God's love. Nobody, even even a pagan jailer who's beaten up on Christians because he probably maybe supervised when they were beaten but there's still people God loves and there's still people that God wants to forgive and thank heaven that's true of you and me as well
0: yes, amen
1: this has been Wrestling with the Basics
0: Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to KFUO.org store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to KFUO.org store.